absolutely wild as Fern Gagne's all-star wrestling goes coast to coast and continent to continent. The greatest wrestlers in the world. He may be an apprentice carpenter, but I guarantee you he is a seasoned ring veteran. I've been hit with bar stools, bar rags, bar mates. I'm talking to you! They're scared that Hulkamania is still running wild. I got a big fat wife and nine kids at home, and I gotta feed them. And take a look at Jesse the body in real life. Open your hand once if you would. <laughs> this is absolutely unbelievable. Totally, completely out of control. He's coming in over the top. Hey, look out! Welcome in to AWA Unleashed. We are the preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of the American Wrestling Association. My name is Chris Tubbs. You can see it on the screen. This is what I do. I don't do it very well, but we got guys that do stuff and they do do it very well. I just said doo-doo. I'm not sure how I really feel about that. Speaking of doo-doo, here is Mick Karch and Joe Chupik. Guys, welcome back. Wow. So I mean, I mean, wow. Mick, are you due or am I due? Uh, well, the AWA had Jimmy do, so, you know, we got do, 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 we'll be doing Frank Sinatra here before too long. Trying oh. to the do, run, 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 the do, run, run. Oh my God. Well, we, we just had a little bit of a, uh, a, a Beatles lyrical, uh, I don't even know what it was that we did. It was really, it was something, but, yeah. uh, we are here to talk wrestling, you guys. And after a couple of weeks off. Mick, uh, we talked about your your recap, uh, your trip to Las Vegas with Cauliflower Alley last week, and we've got a great guest. I know you guys are, are looking forward to hearing from him. We're looking forward to uh, to hearing from him. Uh, first of all, got a little bit of business we got to take care of. Um, see Soda Stick. Thanks to Soda Stick for uh, all of the uh, merchandise that they provide us. Go to SodaStickCO.com. Fifteen percent off when you use the promo code Unleashed. Hey, we've got, it's getting into the cold weather, guys. I know it sucks, but the bot, well, it's cold where we're at. It's not cold where our, our guest is at. At least I don't think it is. But go to sodastickco.com. You can get your uh, personalized gimmick in uh, a sweatshirt. It's a hoodie. It's really awesome and uh, very, very comfortable. You're going to want that. Rep the AWA Unleashed Army. And then uh, also 7th Avenue Pizza. Uh, we want to thank uh, them. It's a reason this is a, a neck up show. Body by pizza, you don't want to see the uh, the rest of it. So uh, that being said, uh, one more, guys, and I think probably the most important thing, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Absolutely, that is the best way to help us grow. It's the best way to help us expand. Just hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, leave a review. Just let us know that you're out there in the, uh, in the YouTube world. Uh, also, I mean, if you like it, you know, Spotify, Spotify, uh, Apple Music or iTunes, whatever they're calling it nowadays, but just help us, you know, help support us by doing that. So there we go. I wanted to run through all of the the business here. Well said, well done, and uh, yes, please. We're not begging. We're begging. We're begging. Hit the subscribe button. Yeah, run, don't right. walk to do it. There you go. And, and it's, I mean, like I said, Mick and Joe will pay for it. They'll pay for your YouTube subscription, right? Yeah, I'll use my AWA residuals. 
I've oh. never heard crickets during the daytime. Isn't that something? Yeah, amazing. Cricket. Cricket. Okay. Yeah. That uh all right, Mick. Uh I'm gonna let you get into our uh to guest. I'm gonna take a, a back seat and uh let's get this thing going because we got a lot of good stuff on today's show. You know, you go back to the 1980s AWA, and it was such a roller coaster ride, Joe. You know it. Uh, the start of the 1980s, red hot, tapered off a little bit in the mid 1980s, and then by the end of the decade, yeah. Uh, but you talk about the uh, the earthquakes that have hit the Bay Area in California. A lot of them registered real high on the Richter scale, but none. And I mean none. Registered as big as our guest right now. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Earthquake Ferris, welcome. Welcome to the AWA Unleashed podcast. Well, thank you very much. That was a great intro. By the way, thank you. Uh, I, I'm very honored and just to be here. It's it's uh, it's it, for me. It's an honor because I've been out for so long that. Um, having you guys ask me to come on and, and being a part of this is, is very uh, uh, humbling, oh, to God. say the least. Yeah. So, well, Craig, I, you know, we had talked earlier in the, uh, shall we just say, the, the, the pregame uh, in the locker room. You have not changed, my friend, and it's been, it's been 35 plus years. Yeah. You look fantastic. You look better today than you did then. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's honest living with you. I don't know what to say. Uh, well, it's uh, dealing with those kids every day that's kept you kept you fresh. That is really true. That is true. You 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 know you know keeping up with those kids is uh, you know demanding and uh, maybe yeah keeping me fresh and. <laughs> It's actually probably closer to 38 years, Joe. Um, yeah. You were you were invited to my wedding. You you were going to be my filmer at my wedding, and uh, you flew to the California. And um, we didn't have phones back then, uh, other than hardline phones, so you couldn't communicate with each other too well. And uh, you were supposed to film uh, the wedding, my wedding. And uh, there was, um, I think you were at your sister's house or something, and um, uh, somebody got what? sick, really sick. And then, yep. yeah, you had to watch the kids. Wow. It, it, it wasn't my sister. It was actually a, a friend's sister who I'd grown up with in my hometown. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, I had completely forgotten about that until you yeah. just brought it up. But my well, good. I, I'm, no, I'm, re that. I'm reminded about that every year. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes, you're holding it over Joe Chupin's head every uh -huh. single year. Uh -huh. I love it. My, I love it. My, my wife's not letting me forget. <laughs> so and all we those, won't let Joe forget no, that all, all of those ills fall on <laughs> Joe Chupik. As my wife says, one thing I was in charge of of the wedding. One thing. <laughs> Gosh, that's so that's where you, that, so that's where the you had one job. That's where yeah. that originated. Joe, you had one job. Are, you, you got one, job. one thing. I'm, I'm putting this wedding on, and you've got one thing, and it didn't work. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Showed. At least I didn't run a belt over with a car. 
Yeah, that's true. That's Good true. point. That's right. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started uh, with the just because I I mean I always want to know like how do people get involved in the wrestling business? So I mean you know you know being a little bit larger you know how do, how do you find your way into the the wrestling business? Uh, well, I was a I was a, a pretty good amateur wrestler, and um, so I uh, was was able to uh, you know go and wrestling wise uh, amateur wrestling, and uh, like I said, I was pretty successful doing that. And so then I um, had a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Jensen, who was a huge wrestling fan and stuff, and so. He was able to uh, get a hold of um, Vern Gagne's camp and uh, sent uh, amateur tape of me wrestling and stuff. And it was just amateur wrestling. It, there was obviously no, you know, nothing professional on it. And um, I, it, you know, I think Vern liked the the fact that um, I had an amateur wrestling background. So I was invited uh, to uh, Brad Rangan's um camp and um there was there was a good 30 of us or so that went to the camp and um after long there wasn't very many left <laughs> I mean you know that that camp is is uh, really there to weed out people more than to uh make pro wrestlers out of them so um but because of my wrestling background and my abilities of uh, being able to wrestle and, and and holding my own and stuff like that i was able to make it through that that camp and you know like i said there, there wasn't very many people that make it out of that camp and uh that was that that's how i got started and pretty much uh you know i uh, they had me travel around in the um the ring you know, they they drove the ring from town to town and, you know, helped set it up and, and put it up. And then uh, they bought me a, uh, a referee's outfit, uh, a shirt. And so they had me doing uh, refereeing. And um, so, you know, I got to learn, you know, more of the business by, by uh, refereeing and stuff. And then uh, they would send me to, to Canada. Canada uh, did their own TV taping um, back then. You know, you you wrestled in Canada. They they just showed it in Canada, and um, so they'd had me go to Canada and uh, do uh, a lot uh, of wrestling in Canada and in, in Canada in Canadian TV which you know didn't really affect uh the you know the the states uh as far as getting exposure or bad exposure i should say and uh then i just started getting on the card they just started putting me on the card and and uh actually did a few was doing interviews and i mean I guess when you start doing interviews is when you, you sort of made it, you know, you, if you're, if you're put on the, the interview thing, then you, you kind of made it. So, you know, I, I know Joe has some questions for you, but I, I want to follow up on one point that you made. You talked about uh, the training camp back then and how it was more intended to weed out 
uh, the wannabes. How different is that today? You know, I, I mean, that, that just stood out to me because so many wrestling training camps today, they take your tuition and that's what they want. And they'll put you in a ring on a Saturday night and it's not a weeding out process. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, bring us the money, show us the money and we'll put you in the ring. And boy, you came from a different era and I've heard horror stories about Vern's camp, about Brad's camp. And uh, so you were there when it was still the real deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was, it was intense. I mean, um, you know, like I said, really, if I didn't have the, the wrestling, the, the amateur wrestling background that I had it, you know, I, I would, they would have stretched me right out of there. Just like, you know, all the other guys got stretched out. I mean, it, it's, you know, they, they would, they'd stretch you and, and work you and, um, you know, it was, they wanted to make sure that you were going to be a part of this and it's, and this is, you know, they're going to smarten you up to the business. So they better make sure they, they've got the right people in there that are, uh, that they want. Um, Quick, who, who else was in the camp with you? Uh, I trained Leon, uh, white Leon, baby bull white, uh, Vader, I guess that was Vader. Um, Greg Boyd was he, yeah, Greg yeah, Boyd was in the same camp. Boyd, Boyd and Vader came together, they yep. came together and they, I helped train them. Um, there was they came after my camp, so I was, I was staying at with Brad, I was living at Brad's house, and so, uh, I was staying there and training them. And uh, the Nasty Boys came through, um, Brian Nobbs. Uh, they came in and, and I uh, trained them, helped train them, get them going and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the, 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 he had a ring set up. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Um, in the barn. In the barn, yeah, and we, we had a lot of guys come in and, um, you know, uh, just regular, just just working on on stuff, and so that was that was pretty good. Well, I I love this shot because if if I'm not mistaken, Quake, that is uh, that's Tom Lintz that you might be working with there. I uh, it was an ESPN taping, and of course he was working, I think, as Ali Khan for uh she getting on l casey part of that camp back then and that's uh what a great shot that is guy i mean you guys talk about beef in the ring holy crap you know that that's, that's going back uh what did you say 38 years 37 years yeah yeah about 30 37 years that that one yeah been married 37 so wow. well you're lucky you've been married that long after chupik screwed up the you know the, <laughs> Well, well, it's, not, it's a good thing because if his wife had videotape, it would remind her every year. Good point. Very good. Uh, uh, it gives her something. It gives her something to point at. There you <laughs> no, go. It gives it gives her gives her Wait, something to give it to me for. I I got a question for you. You know, you talked about uh, being in the camp for a while before they finally smartened you up, and they wanted to make sure. That you were going to be a wrestler. You weren't just going to be a you know a fly by night guy. 
when you first started in the business and you started going on the road a little bit, was it the glitz and the glamour that you expected it to be? Or was it like a hard dose of reality? Talk about those early days a little bit. Oh, no, it, it, it was all the glitz uh, of, of it. Um, you know, the, the reality hit when I was in Kansas City. Uh, that's, oh. that's, when, that's when the reality hit when, when I was in that territory. Um, no, uh, you know, working for the AWA and going to the town to town and, and being a celebrity. Um, no, it was all about the glitz. It, it was it was fun. I mean, every Monday uh, we were either, we were taping or we were doing you know celebrity events, golf events, celebrity uh, bowling. We did celebrity softball. We you know so that was you know being a celebrity and you're working with all these other. Um, mostly just you know minnesota people uh the twins and um vikings and and uh you know you hang out with those guys and you know all the house matches and stuff were were packed i mean there's you know you you go to towns in wisconsin and they're you know the gymnasiums are filled and and it's exciting and no, it, it, you know, no, it wasn't, you know, like I said, it wasn't until Kansas City that reality uh, hit me and knocked me flat. But, uh, you know, AWA was at that time was was very, you know, glamorous and and nice being a celebrity for the AWA. So so what ha you mentioned Kansas City. What happened in Kansas City? Like what like what what are you referring to for maybe those that, that aren't? Familiar. Oh, just, you know, going into the towns, small towns and, you know, drawing, you know, 75 people and, um, you know, and then turn around and, and go and do that again and turn around and go do that again. And, you know, you're, you're wrestling, you know, five, six times a week in these little gymnasiums and little areas that, um, you know, it just it's it's hard it's hard to put your body through stuff like that when, you know, there's more people in the locker room than than are watching the show and wow. you know and you know so so you get paid by by who shows up so you know pretty much you're wrestling for free a lot of the time <laughs> because there's nobody you know was 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 not drawing at all so. Yeah, that's that's when reality hit. That's you know you're living out of a, a hotel room, you know you're you're renting a hotel room for you know a month, and you got your you know wife in 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 a hotel room, and then you see these other wrestlers who who have families and they're living in a hotel room with with their kids in one room with in one bed. So that that's reality, Chris. That's that's damn. That that hits you. I mean, mm. that's that's when, you know, that that part of the business is 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 not good, and it's not glamorous, and that's reality mm -hmm. for most of the wrestlers. Who was who was booking Kansas City when you got got shipped to to KC? Who was uh, running the territory? Bob Geigel. Ah, 
Sure. Yeah, Geigel and Bob Brown. Bob they, Brown. Okay. They, they shared it. They they did it. They were co bookers or or whatever. Geigel had the name, but I think Bob did the leg uh Brown did the legwork of it. You know, he he'd tell you uh you know the matches and and, gotcha. and he was he was the promoter of of you know who's doing the matches and stuff. Okay, got it. So let's get back to the AWA first. What was your, how would you describe your relationship with one Mr. Vern Gagne? Um, our relationship with Vern was was okay. Um, meaning um, I didn't have much uh, connection with Vern. Uh, my, my connection mostly was with Greg. Greg was. Uh, you know, he was my mentor. He was, you know, in my ear. He was the the guy I would go to, or he would come to me. And um, Greg, for me, it was Greg. Greg, Greg was the one who, um, you know, took me under his his you know wings or whatever. And um, I was dealing with him um, most of the time. Uh, along with uh, Ray Stevens, uh, Ray Stevens was our was the promoter that would would go around with us and and uh, Greg, hardly I mean Vern you'd see Vern at a big show, you know um, if, if you you know, we're in Denver or uh, Chicago or you know uh, definitely you know uh, Minnesota Minneapolis um, then Vern you'd see Vern and. You know, you talk to Vern a little bit, but but not a whole lot. Um, so it was Greg. Greg was the was was the that I had a great connection with. Looking back, uh, when when you came on to the AWA, things were still relatively hot. You know, they had Wrestle Rock going, and they you know they had uh, uh, some of the major shows. By the time I got there in 87, things were kind of, you know, going over the hill just a little bit. When you started there, did you sense or was there a sense in the locker room that things were starting to take a down, downward slide? Or was it was the office pretty much optimistic, kept everybody up and, you know, it's still the the illusion, I guess it was, that they were going to be able to compete with Vince what was what was the temperature in the locker room back then? Um, two twofold. Um, the when I first got there uh, and started going around and stuff, Jim uh, Brunzel just left. Okay, yeah, and and that was a gut punch to everybody because uh, you know he was Greg's best friend and, and tag team partner, and you know and he took off. And um, that was a gut punch for for them for a while, but then they recovered. They you know they got the Midnight Rockers came in, Buddy Rose came in, uh, Road Warriors would would come in quite often. Stan Hansen was still uh, uh, they made him you know the champion, and um, so. Uh, it, it was still on, on, on a really good high. Jimmy Snuka was there, uh, you know, Nick Bockwinkle and Larry Zabisco. And, I mean, so you had, 
you had all the names and and so and our territory was you know we we'd still go all all the places and draw pretty well okay i mean it it mm-hmm. didn't taper off yet while i was still there and and by no means i, I was anything <laughs> to do with it but um you know with it, they still had uh, uh name power and, yep. and so it was still going pretty good you know that you know in 85 86 and you know parts of 87 i'm sure well i, I want to ask you about you know going back and working in your home area because the awa you know kind of slowly expanded west i mean when you got a chance to work back in the bay area i mean what, what was your reaction like being in your like being in your home region <laughs> Undescribable, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a tape out there uh, filming, uh, an ESPN filming that they wanted to film uh, at the uh, Kaiser Convention Center in Oakland. And the funniest thing is there was a tailgate party like it was a football game. I mean, people were out front tailgating. And uh, and most of those were were my family and friends, and you know, uh, just just it's coming back and, and wrestling in front of the hometown after you know I've been on TV for a few months, and that um, you know they have the opportunity to see me live and the and the, and the you know come out and support me and stuff like that, and you know and you know God love. Greg, he wasn't going to let me lose in my hometown, so that was also another bonus there. Blake, if I if I'm not mistaken, I believe you are referring to the live ES yeah. two hour yeah. ESPN taping or not yes. taping? It was live on ESPN. Correct. That was done at the Kaiser, and I do remember being in the truck and you getting you going over. Yes, and being very very happy for you because yeah. you were just. All you know, BS aside, you were just a genuine person who got into wrestling, who didn't have a chip on their folder. You were you were the guy that I could sit next to the you know at a bar. Not that I've ever been to one, but oh, sit down, sit down, and have a drink with you, and it would just be a, two guys talking. You you. You never put yourself above anybody, but I know that you loved the not. I don't want to say attention, but you did love that spotlight. I mean, I think anybody that gets into it has to love it when you get it. But for you on that weekend to do it in front of your hometown and all of your family and friends, damn, that must have just felt incredible. It was amazing. It really was amazing. Um, you know, it was a live show, and I kind of got ringed a little bit at, um, at the end when I went over, and uh, then uh, Ali Khan and the Sheik kind of jumped me outside on the, you know, outside the ring and threw me into the post and all that stuff. So, you know, I had all my friends for everybody there. So I was really selling it. You know, I really wanted that sympathy of, of, you know, getting jumped and thrown into the, the, 
pole and everything like that. So I was kind of selling it, but <laughs> problem was I was selling it too long. <laughs> it was like I had, I had Ray Stevens come up to me and go, GD, we got it. This is live taping. Get your ass out of here. <laughs> so, they got me, they're carrying me off as the other match started and started going. And I'm still being walked off the, uh, the area there. So uh, I kind of got ringed a little bit, but. Uh, it was it was all good. It was you all know, good. I, I watched that match coincidentally last night, the one that oh. we're talking about with Ali Khan. Yeah. And, you know, my first impression was, my God, you know, Ferris is getting one hell of a pop here. And then, you know, we talk about, you know, it's in the Bay Area. It's, you know, the Kaiser. And, and I remember when you went over, which was I didn't remember you having gone over. And when you did, you looked seriously – like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, talk about selling it. You're jumping up and down in the ring, yeah. and the fans are going bananas. Yeah. And then I, you know, there was that after match assault. You know, mm -hmm. when they ran you into the post, and I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, they're giving they're giving Ferris a little bit of time here. But now mm -hmm. I realize maybe it was too much time. Yeah. For the race <laughs> Oh, great stuff. Uh, talk about overselling. <laughs> man. Uh, moment, man. I mean, that was that was your time. That was my time. I was gonna use it all up. <laughs> Problem is, I was using somebody else's time. <laughs> oh great. I was, so I was hamming it up, you know. Hey, why not? Why yeah, not? I do remember in the truck thinking, and, and they were talking. It's like uh, Mike Shields was, was directing at the time. I was directing the graphics. And this was a live ESPN show. And so each match was slotted. It's not like I could bring it back and, you know, re-edit it or whatever. It's like, quick, come on. Come on, we gotta get up. We gotta go to commercial. We gotta come back with the next match. Um, uh, it, it practically would carry me out of there. Out of the way. Yeah, yeah. All right, no more sympathy for him. Get his ass out of here. Get his ass out of there. Enough, enough. That's great. So Quint, yeah. I mean, we just talked about uh, probably your your biggest push uh, during your time with the AWA. Um, you had some other notable matches. You were, as you said earlier, you had cut some promos and that sort of, uh, in a way that you arrived when they put you on to a yeah. promo. My question is, do you think that if you would have been able to get into the AWA maybe a couple of years earlier that a your career in the AWA would have gone further and then be on a bigger picture do you think that your wrestling career would have maybe been longer than it ended up being well joe i i got to believe there's there's a reason for everything there's you know um you know I, I yeah what you said is all true 
but I don't think that's what was was meant for me. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that's what God or anybody had plans for me or 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 my my life. Um and it's it certainly wasn't, you know, the lifestyle that I wanted or, or that I was hoping for. I mean, my I've I've always wanted to have a family. I've always wanted to have kids. I, you know, I I, I wanted to marry my wife uh, Suzanne and and have kids and and raise my kids and have grandkids and and I guess a part, you know, all all I you really have to do is watch, you know. Um, what is that that show called um dark side of the ring and you just watch that every week and you understand why maybe um it wasn't for me and and maybe that I got out when I got out was a reason for that and and I have to believe that Joe I I I have to believe it was a bigger there was a bigger calling for me than than to to be put in a, in a in the wrestling ring, and you know, I wrestled. I did it. I did it for five years, and and I was I got my name out there, and and people. So, you know, when when I did go to high school and teach high school, and, and became a football coach and a high school teacher for, you know, thirty five years, thirty something years, you know, people knew me. The, the kids knew. They knew of me and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and. You know that that is something that I won't ever be you know be ashamed of or 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 have anything. But I I, I think I I ran what I had to my my time was run perfectly. I got out when I got out and yeah. started my life with my family and and kids and and now grandkids and. I just retired in June, so I'm a, I'm a retired man now. So, you know, uh, this hearing you talk about that, Ferris, Mick and Joe, when we were kind of, you know, when they were kind of telling me about you and, and just kind of like, you know, this is the sort of individual that you are. They just mentioned how compassionate and how caring and, and just, really how you've you've got a really good perspective on life and i hear you talk about it that way and it just it it makes me it makes me appreciate and respect you as the individual because you you see the big picture and you know there are some people that they've got such a tunnel vision that they can't get out of their own way and i I mean, to hear you talk about it like that and say, well, this is what I did, but this this isn't necessarily my life. This isn't what's going to define me. There are other things that I want to do. I just got to tell you that everything that Mick and Joe have said, and it's absolutely 100% spot on, like to hear you say that, it, it just, it, it's something that you don't hear a lot to have people have that kind of perspective and look back on it. And say like, yeah, it was just a small part, but there were other things that I felt I was, I I had to do in my life to serve people. So, I I commend you for that. Thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. 
You know, you know what's interesting it, to, to follow up on what Chris said here, which is a great, great point. The business is, it's an ego-driven business. And, you know, we've had a lot of guests on our show, you know, and, and they're still out there. Guys that probably should have retired 25 years ago, but, you know, can't give it up, don't want to let go or whatever. And to hear you come on and talk about, let's say, life itself and, you know, not just the not just the pro wrestling world, but it amazes me that you were and as a young guy that you were able yeah. to escape getting caught up in that ego driven business. Keep focused on what really matters in life, like you mentioned, your wife and raising a family and what have you. And man, that is that is so refreshing and so commendable. And I just want to echo what Chris had said. Thank you. If I could add the one thing to that, your your turn to suck up, Joe, because you got more <laughs> sucking up to do than we do. <laughs> Yeah, you got right here, Joe. One thing I had to do. <laughs> I have one thing to do. I have one thing to do, Joe. Oh, I love it. Yeah, but in all seriousness, to follow up with that, um, I mean, Quake, uh, we both saw a lot of the um, extracurricular activities that happened outside of the ring, uh, uh, in locker rooms, traveling on the road, and won't get into specifics on them. But uh, too many got caught up in the party like a rock star lifestyle. And sadly, it took, has taken way too many of the people that we have worked with, taken them way too early. And I've always said, I never worked in professional wrestling. I worked in video production and just happened to have done a lot of professional wrestling. I say that not because um, that I was ashamed of ever being in the business, but rather to keep myself grounded because in the 80s, there were times that I did party like a rock star. And I was young naive and fortunately was able to uh, escape those very short-term demons. Never able to catch a fish like that, but Look at that Photoshop. Isn't yep. that something? But, none, but nonetheless, so just to compliment you quick. So let, let's get into the important stuff. Where was this fish caught? This is uh, in, in the Delta where I live. Uh, that's my boat. I have a a uh, 28-foot uh, Collycraft boat, uh, cabin cruiser, and I fish. That's my passion is fishing, and um, that's a striped bass. Looks like it's probably maybe a 10-pound bass, and um, it's caught right out right in my backyard practically wow. right out here in the Delta. Um, Look at that. Yeah, we got uh, stripers and sturgeon. And uh, the salmon make a run through there. Uh, so, but I, I love sturgeon fishing and uh, striper fishing. That's a striped bass I'm holding. Man, you are, you're living the life. I, uh, you know, yeah. that, is, that is just so great. Yeah. And, now, and you'll have more time now that you uh, just retired. Um, 
<laughs> except that my fishing buddies are still teaching. So <laughs> it's, it's still going to have to be a weekend thing for me. But yeah, and until they until I get my buddies to retire, then I'll just be the weekends with them again. Well, now you're waiting on your buddies the way Ray Stevens waited on you back at uh, back at the Kaiser uh, to uh, we're, we're going to kind of take this home for the next several minutes here because I want to ask you do a little name association uh, with a handful of the guys that you worked with uh, back in your AWA run specifically. And, you know, we'll just put a picture up of them and just, you know, initially the first, the first memories, anything that you care to share about them, either from a professional or a, or a personal standpoint. And uh, I think we're going to have some fun with this one. Here's here's what I wanted to start out with. There's there's Sags and Knobs, the nasty boys. And by the way, just as a uh, just as an, an aside, I mentioned last week at Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, Brian Knobs might have given given the speech of the century just recently. Uh, he started out by saying, "I'm higher than a kite right now," and he, he used an expletive uh, to explain how high he was, and. Uh, Man, it, it, it was something else again. But at any rate, uh, you mentioned that they were in the early camps with you. And I noticed some of the early results that you had in your career in the AWA. You wrestled these two guys in singles matches. So first question, overall impression of the Nasty Boys. And secondly, did you think at the time that that kind of a career was going to be spawned for these two? Um. Well, you know, you, you you talk about people who live their gimmick. I mean, these are two guys from Allentown, Pennsylvania, and um, they are Allentown, Pennsylvania boys. I mean, they are. They, you ever anything you ever heard about Allentown, PA? Those are the nasty boys. They they brought it out. Um, you know, you've heard of Jersey Shores. Well, these guys are the Allentown Shores. Um, uh, they came together. They, they came as a tag team. They trained as a tag team. Um, you know, yeah, they, they, you know, they, they were given, uh, you know, some wrestling experience, uh, wrestling me because we, we train, I trained them. Sure. So we were able to work out stuff in, in the barn, as you call it. And, um, so I guess they, they felt uh, comfortable putting them in with me because uh, we worked a lot together, training and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that picture popped up and first thing came to my mind was Allentown, PA. Well, <laughs> that's, that's the, those are the, the boys. If you ever get an opportunity, and I know it's out there someplace, to hear his speech from uh, Brian Knobs from Cauliflower LA, and poor sakes, you know, he tried to get a word in every once in a while, and and it was just not happening. So uh, amazing stuff, and and thank you for that memory. Another guy that we want to talk about right now, who was there at the time that you were, was this man, uh, Jerry Blackwell. In you know, we've talked many times about uh, Jerry's transition from a uh, hated heel to a beloved babyface. Talk about Jerry a little. Well, well at, at that point in time, Jerry was a baby face when I got there. Yep. Um, nice, nice man. 
was in his car many times. We drove together to places, uh, to you know, different shows and stuff like that. So, you know, he was he was uh, a good man, a good guy. Uh, he always, um, you know, always pulled over to the side of the road, made me pull over. And he'd leave a, a half a bottle of whatever he was drinking on the side of the road. And I was like, you know, why are you leaving a half a bottle on the side of the road? And this is about the third or fourth time this has happened in our traveling. He goes, it's for people who need it. You know, oh, it's there. If somebody's walking and they need something, it's there for them. And I was like, okay, that, that that's pretty good. He's thinking wow. about other people which is great, but uh, had a lot, a lot of talks with him. We, like I said, we, we traveled, we, we drove a lot together and um, had a lot of conversations with that man and, and uh, is, is a good person and a good heart. Got another guy talking about, uh, talking about people who delay either getting <laughs> into the ring or leaving the ring. Uh, if we can, uh, you know, <laughs> get the the next photograph up. Uh, where is he? Where is he? He's delaying again. Oh, there he is. Oh, Larry. Larry. It, it only it only made sense to delay the Larry picture. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Buddy Rose. Oh my God, <laughs> that's another story altogether. Yeah. I got stories. Yeah. I got him. I got good ones for Buddy Rose. Oh, everybody does. Um, Talk a little bit about the the master of the stall, uh, Larry Zabisco. I in in my estimation, well, obviously, one of the greatest talkers in the history of the business. Yeah, great talker, but uh, un, uh, different than Buddy Rose. Larry Larry wanted to get Larry would go after after it. He would he would get in the ring and you would wrestle with Larry. Um, buddy didn't want buddy didn't want to wrestle buddy didn't want to touch anybody but Larry Larry would get at it you know he'd get his heat and 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 prance around and walk around and and do his talking and uh get get, get his heat going and but he'd also bring it come in the ring and and really wrestle with you and you know he he knew his holds he knew his moves he you know he knew you know what to give you what to give you or give me or something like that um you know we we had a we i wrestled him a few times and, and they were always uh, uh very enjoyable matches and have him walk me through it and and all that stuff was was you know he wanted to tie up he wanted to to get down and dirty and wrestle and put holds on and 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 uh go get after it and stuff like that he you know let me clothesline him or let me smash him in the corner and you know all that stuff the stuff buddy buddy rose did not want me to do buddy rose you know we could do several hours on yes yeah buddy rose and tell stories that are all um, true all true. all um, true let's keep moving here talk about the guys you know we're, we're, we referred to the the party guys of the 1980s and uh here's a couple of them right here there they are yeah uh marty and sean sean and marty um i think they wrote the playbook they did the blueprint on uh partying in the 1980s talk about them as best as you can 
Well, um, pretty much the same age. I mean, we were, we, you know, we we're kind of the same age and stuff like that, but they, um, they were partners. I don't I mean, they, the, 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 we'd always, you know, say, uh, you know their leftovers were were better than than what oh, we ever, what, what we ever got. You know. <laughs> oh my God! I can't. Yeah, so uh, there was wow. so, there was so many uh, so many of them the girls that would just flock to them and to the ring and and just you know they 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 had it and. You know, it was sort of like they had to keep up that image, you know, that, that partying image. And they did. I mean, they absolutely uh, partied and partied hard and partied all the time. And um, but, you know, they were also good guys. I mean, they, there was they were good people. They, you know, they, they you know, you trust them and, and you know, you, you didn't mind, you know, knowing them and being a part of the, I, you know, like I, I guess one of the sayings is that uh, you'd invite them to dinner. So, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're good guys. That's a, that's a great take. And I, I, uh, I love the leftover comment too. I've never been a fan of leftovers. I usually like to have something, you know, new every night, but back in the day, what the hell? Um, Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you just got to take, you just got to eat leftovers when they're there, Mick. Sometimes I, I you can't go hungry. Can't go. No, can't no, go no. You, I have you, never seen Mick leave leftovers after a meal. So just to clarify <laughs> something. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. On to the next one, Mick. Well, let's continue on. Going from uh, from one extreme to the other. I'm never yeah. going to look at leftovers the same. No, no. no it's just really uh, pass, the, pass the salt and pepper. Um, uh, there's a guy. That uh, you know was was nearing the end of his career. Actually, by the time you got there, because Nick retired effectively in 1987. Uh, talk about uh, the guy that I consider the consummate champion, Nick Bockwinkel. Uh I can't begin to tell you how many you know locker room conversations I've had with Nick. Uh, you know, I I'd always ask you'd always ask somebody to, to go and watch your match, you know, if, and I'd ask, I'd always ask Nick if he wouldn't mind to go and, and watch and critique my matches and stuff afterwards. And he would always, always do that for me. He, you know, such a gentleman. Um, and in the business, you know, sometimes it's hard to find gentlemen and it, it's sometimes people don't want to be bothered. Um, especially from a rookie, you know, uh, but he didn't mind. He would, he would walk out of the locker room and watch my match. You, you know, he'd have that, uh, the towel around his, you know, he'd be bare chested with the, with the white towel around oh, his yeah. neck and he'd be holding it there. And, you know, I could see him, you know, in the, you know, in front of the locker room with that towel wrapped around and I know, Oh, he's watching me. I, you know, I'm, you know, so uh, and then after the match, you know, I'd go back in there and we'd sit down together, the two of us and face to face and 
He'd tell me, you know, you know, he told me mostly what I did wrong because I don't think I was doing things right anyways, but uh, he would sit there and, and just uh, critique my match and, and help me out and, and, uh, and help me to get better. You know, he was, he was, he was there to, to try to help me get better. That's just great. Yeah. yeah he, he was a good, he's a, he was a good man. Really was. And obviously, you know, he saw something in you or he wouldn't have taken yeah. the time. And I, I, yeah. I think that's, that's I great. Believe, I believe that. Yeah. Let's talk about this guy here. The, uh, the Mr. Magoo oh. of professional wrestling who, you know, <laughs> couldn't see a foot in front of him, uh, swung that cowbell around, damn near killed mm-hmm. everybody from ring announcers to popcorn vendors and everything else. Yeah. Um, the uh, the former AWA champion, the only AWA champion in history to mail his belt back to Vern uh, mm-hmm. in a little bit worse condition than he got it. Uh, mm-hmm. But talk about the the legend that is Stan Hansen. Uh, actually, I uh, again, good things to say about Stan. Um, you know, uh, Stan would uh, when he, when Stan was on TV and he'd wrestle TV. Per, promotions and pretty much is the only time I wrestled uh Stan was on TV I never did a house show with him because he was usually main event sure anyways you know he was never not the main event but you know he'd come in you know, like you said in the TV tapings and he would just destroy people you know whoever they had him wrestle against would get destroyed so here I am you know this young buck whatever rookie you know and i'm i'm shaking in my pants i mean i can't uh, i am i know it's it's not real it's nothing but i know he's gonna hurt me i'm gonna get hurt (laughs) somehow he's gonna beat the hell out of me and you know there there goes my career there goes everything (laughs) And we went in there, and I tell you what, he gave me, he gave me half the match, and and that was unheard of. I mean, he would just go in there and beat the hell out of people and just smash people, and he literally gave me half the match. I mean, I I he let me, I body slammed him, and this was on TV, and it was just. Uh, just gave me, uh, like you said, must have saw something in me. I don't know. Just a nice guy in the in the locker room. What I don't know. What whatever. But he uh, really uh, helped me out and opened the eyes, really, of, of a lot of other people. Because you know, Stan doesn't do that. You know, Stan goes out there and beats the the crap out of people on TV, and and he literally. Uh, gave me half the match which was amazing uh, i splashed him in the corner and you know he crawled out of the ring after you know and it was just it was just amazing to me that is, that's really something yeah. i mean yeah, you're he, just, yeah he let me have he, i mean it was amazing very very amazing mm-hmm. yeah to, to think out of all the guys that could give you that much of a match and, and just the perception that a lot of us on the outside have is, is yeah, just like Stan Hansen could just literally, you know, kick the snot out of anybody that he wanted to, but to be that generous to you, yeah, I mean, is is pretty. That's pretty amazing when I hear that story. 
it, it really was amazing. It was very amazing to me too. I mean, it was, like I said, I'm in that ring and I'm dreading life, you know? I'm, you know, you're in the back and you see your, your name on the card and you see you're going to Stan Hansen and you're going, you know, maybe I could call in sick or something. <laughs> uh, you know, did, did he tell you before the match? Did you guys talk before the match? Like, hey, I'm going to give you all of this? Or was that all just in the ring on the fly? The only thing he told me, he goes, hey, rookie, I'm going to give you the lariat. <laughs> and that's it, you know. Oh, but That's the end. He gave me the end. <laughs> he gave me the end. I said, oh, okay, and I'm going, I hope it's not the first 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, how, how great is that? You know, I, I just love hearing this stuff. And, you know, yeah. and again, Stan, who couldn't Stan. see a foot in front of him. I saw a, a ringside photographer one time take Stan Hansen's cowbell to the back uh, when Stan was coming in the ring. And I wanted to, I think he still got the imprint. And, you know, it's probably about 40 years later. But what a great story. Um, let's move ahead. Got a, just a couple of more guys that I want to ask you about here. And let's get the next photograph up, if we can. And there he is. Uh, big Scott Hall, who, of course, was just kind of coming into his own in those early AWA days. You know, he had done the uh, the Starship Coyote stuff and, and, and what have you. Um, what a storied career for Scott Hall, and what a transformation! Obviously, his his story itself is uh, the stuff of legend, ups and downs. But talk about the early Scott Hall. Well, I really got to know Scott really uh, well, and, and, and uh, when we went to uh, Europe together, we went and wrestled for Otto Vance sure. in Germany. And Scott was with me. Uh, it was the it was this two of us. We went together. Uh, Vern Vern sent us both down, and uh, so we were roommates. We hung out for you know a couple months together every day, and I got to really know Scott Hall uh, really really well, and uh, just you know. Uh, Unlike his wrestling, he, he's nothing like who he was as a wrestler. And you're going to find that in mostly everything, you know. Uh, people aren't really who they are or portrayed to be. And, and he happened to be one of those guys that, um, you know, he, he he was a nice guy behind the scenes. He, he wasn't, you know, too so arrogant. I mean, he'd play that role up a bit, but you know, you're in a room with him and stuff like that. He's just a normal, nice guy. And uh, we worked out. We went and worked out. I got in the best shape of my life hanging out with him. We, you know, we, you know, the gym was about two, two and a half, three miles away. And I was like, hey, um, you know, let's let's get a taxi. Let's uh, you know, let's rent a car. Let's go. You know, and he's like, "Oh no, we're jogging to the gym." <laughs> wow. So uh, by the time I got to the gym, I was done. I'm saying, yeah, you were you already had your work on Warner Gatorade. I'm done. You know? Oh god. Uh, so and, you know, um, and obviously a guy that you know left us much too soon. And, oh yeah. Uh, but what yeah. what a legacy. 
got two more names for you here. And uh, well, actually three, three names, but we'll, we'll combine them. Um, talk about the guy that you had that contact with all the time. And that's oh, Greg Ganya. Yeah. And we've talked, uh, there are so many times on this show about how underappreciated Greg Ganya is and how the critics of pro wrestling will always point to his size or he's the, you know, his dad's, uh, you know, handing him the promotion, whatever. I thought Greg was just a tremendous worker. Uh, what's your take? Uh, as, a, as a worker, yeah, tremendous. But he was a tremendous person. I mean, I, you know, I, I would talk about Greg as a person. I mean, you know, he, he had to live under his dad's uh, shadow, but, but he didn't, he didn't act like that. He wasn't the spoiled kid or the, the, the bratty kid. I mean, he was, he would be the guy that get, get down and dirty. He get his hands dirty. I mean, he, he wasn't, um, you know, my, my dad's the boss, blah, 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 this and that. No, he, he was his own man. He, you know, um, like I said, you know, I dealt with Greg and, and I loved, I love Greg. I mean, I thought Greg was just a great, great person. Um, you know, yeah, he can wrestle and, and, you know, he, he was thin, but he could work and, you know, and he's going to live longer because he is thin and healthy and, you know, and he, he didn't put his body through what other, you know, wrestlers did. And he, he kept him, himself in shape and kept going. And, you know, he, he's just a really good guy and really enjoyed my time with him. And I, I had spent a lot of time with him in Vegas, in Las Vegas, sure. um, you know, at the showboat and stuff like that. You know, we would, he would sit and we would talk a lot and, and uh, we, we hung out and, um, you know, at the showboat and, you know, we, we'd have a beer or something at the bar and we just sit and talk the two of us. And, you know, it was very, very enjoyable. Just a great person. I mean, he's he was a younger version of, of Nick Bockwinkle. I mean, he was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a good, good man. What a what a, a great great take on Greg because especially with the modern day wrestling fans looking back on it, you know, everybody's an expert and, you know, uh, you know, all of it wasn't for Vernon. Thank you. Thank you for that take. It, it's, okay. it's very refreshing. So appreciate that. We're going to finish up here. You, you mentioned one of these, uh, one of these three uh, <laughs> earlier on uh, Buddy Rose and of course, Sherry Martell and Doug Summers. Now, um, as a trio, you know, Doug, of course, was a, you know, the veteran been around a long time as had Buddy and, you know, Sherry, God bless her. Uh, Sherry was Sherry. She was tough. She was brilliant. But the guy that we, we kind of are focusing on here a little bit uh, is my old friend, Buddy Rose. And I knew Buddy before he got into the business. I knew him going back all the way to 1971. Now, he may right here weigh a legit... I don't know, 237? 217 pounds. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's a lean, mean 217. I'm yeah, yeah, it, it, it sure is. And uh, <laughs> Buddy, 
the the legend of Buddy Rose and Ferris. You know the guy outside yeah. of the ring. I know the guy outside of the ring. Uh, what a character, to say the least. Oh, my absolute favorite favorite person to to wrestle. I mean, I mean, wrestling Buddy Rose would have been easier than doing this interview. <laughs> Well, a lot of people have had trouble doing it. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, Buddy Rose, oh my God, it was like it was like a day off working with Buddy Rose. I mean, first of all, he didn't want to be touched. I he might he might have had autism or, or something, but he did he did not want to be touched. I oh. mean, you, he didn't want any part of, of hooking up to any type of Anything like that. I mean, when when it got to the finish, that was yeah, that's the only time we where our bodies would touch. You know, he was just did not want any of that. And we would go 15, 20 minutes. We would go to 20 minute matches, and you know, I'm I was a 400 pound man, and I'm doing 20 mad 20 minute matches. Well, buddy Rose, I was, I'm working more of a sweat now than I did on a 20 minute match with Buddy Rose. Oh God, he would work that crowd. He would, you know, we'd go to tie up and he'd stop you, and then he'd do his whole spiel again, and then he'd bring Sherry back into the ring, and Sherry would have to. You know, and it was just, oh, my God, it was so amazing. I loved it when my name was on the card with Buddy Rose. It was it was so refreshing that I, I knew I was going to have a day off. I'm I'm getting paid, and I'm not working. Yeah. See, know, now I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna look at Buddy Rose matches, like, completely different now. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to go watch some of those matches yeah. and, and just – like pay attention to what, you, and this is what's cool about this. Like you're, you're giving me a new perspective on things. So I, I'm going to go back and look at it after this interview, and it's going to like change my entire viewing habit. Oh yeah, you'll you'll notice. <laughs> you know, it, buddy always, and now I get it. Now I understand what he was talking about, but he because he would always say that Doug Summers was always the guy that lost the fall. If they were at a two out of three fall match, what uh, he would say, you know, it, it's it's on the record. Go take a look at the matches. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah, it's, it's all part of that whole pattern. That yeah. is, oh, God, that is oh, good. man, oh, that is know, just great. Like, I, wow, like you said you know you're in the back and you see the card and your name, you're wrestling Buddy Rose and you're going cha ching. Yeah. Oh. God, that yeah, is that was, we, we, well. Someday time. when we're not on the air, we'll we'll talk about uh, some of the early Buddy Rose stories. You know, away from the ring when he first got into the business, and yeah. man, I'll tell you, uh, you know, he he was a midnight rocker long before there were midnight rockers. Wow. Um, wow. I I that's that's our list for today, and and I know we all individually want to thank you, but I I want to kick things off by saying how absolutely refreshing it is to have you on the show. Um, we've had a lot of guests on here, and when when a guy is as open and honest and down-to-earth as you've been, uh, you know, 
we knew it going in. I mean, we knew what we were going to get when we had you on the show, but I can't thank you enough for your honesty and just your, yeah, just your one hell of a guy. And I'm honored that you were on the show. Well, thank you so much. I, you, I, well, how do I say that? Do you know, do you, opened my eyes to this program uh, um, a few months ago when you guys uh, were talking and a picture uh, of mine came up and you, you had some very nice things to say about me. And so I felt, uh, I, w- I wanted to thank you guys for that. That's, that was very nice and unnecessary, but, but nice. And I appreciate that. Hey, Quake, I mean, all seriousness, every, Every word about you leading into this was nothing but complimentary. My short time in working with you, you, while you were one of the boys, you weren't. Yeah. I mean, if you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And and so I I thank you for that. I thank you for the friendship. I thank you for asking me to come out and stiff you on your wedding <laughs> you know and apologize to your wife again I, it's like when you have an anniversary party i'll come out and i'll videotape that for you i, oh, I, I, no, I don't want to relive that again <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a reason they call marriage an institution you know yeah uh, <laughs> but no thank you for coming on it's uh, much appreciated it's no, great I, to talk to I, you again have fond memories, Joe, of me and you sitting in your back room and TV tapings, and I'd be hanging out with you because I knew I wasn't going to be doing an interview, so I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd hang out with you in the in the uh, in the TV room and the, the monitors, and sit there with you and watch the monitors and stuff like that. I have fond memories uh, of that, Joe. And it's amazing. It- it doesn't feel like it was 37, 38 years ago. That's the amazing part. And this this picture, Chris, can you uh, show the whole picture, or is that all you got? That's what that, we got. Yeah, oh, that's okay. that's what I've got right there. I can make it uh, bigger, but I can't. Yeah, that's that's about all I can do. Uh, you've got my uh, to the uh, left of me. You've got my grandson, who has a, a shirt like that that says uh, "Tremor," and then. <laughs> And then his uh, and then his my son, his dad, and it's, it has aftershock. <laughs> oh, is oh, that that's fantastic! Uh, it was the earthquake aftershock, and then then the little tremor. Oh, yeah. that is that's yeah. phenomenal. That's yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking for that on your Facebook. Oh, there it is. I see it. That is, yeah. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's my son. That's my oldest son. And that's my first grandchild there. Oh, and man, what a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I'm yeah. telling you, I mean, this, it, this was really- my pleasure, Mick. This is, it was my pleasure, really. Um, it, it's, I don't know. It, it's really nice to, to be recognized a bit about, you know, what I did and part of my career. And so this is very nice. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was very nice of you. Class act, man. Well, I appreciate you, Ferris. Thank you. Good luck to you. You enjoy that retirement. Keep photoshopping those uh, fish pictures. <laughs> and, uh, you know, put put the stripe in there in place of the minnow that you actually caught. Yeah. And, uh, 
and we're good to go. God wow. bless you, buddy. Thank you Thank so you. very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ferris. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye-bye. See ya. All right. There he goes, uh, Earthquake Ferris. And that was, guys, everything that you said about him before going into it, absolutely 100% true. Very seldom does somebody get, like my expectations before coming into it, like never having talked to him, very rarely are they met or exceeded and that, that exceeded. And, and again, just, I thank him for his time and everything that, that he's done in the business and out of the business. So I, it was a great way to have our, our first interview of this quote unquote fall season. What a, what a super guy. Absolutely super guy. And Joe, you're right. He looks better now than he did back in his wrestling days. It's amazing. I, and that, that's, that's, I'm not lying. I mean, he looks phenomenal. He looks better. When you were putting up those other pictures, he had the baby face, mm -hmm. but he looks like, you know, the the current photos like 10 years after, not 35 years after. Ferris, great job. Hanging around all those high school kids as a teacher is uh did wonders for you. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said as a teacher because otherwise you're the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, all right. All well, right we're not right. referring to carts, but that's a whole nother gimmick. Wow, let's uh, uh, let's no no no. Minimum, I know minimum 95 years old, or I'm not interested. Oh, you know, great younger ladies. Yes, exactly. You know exactly. what the great thing about high school girls is that I no never mind I'm not no 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 I'm not gonna say the line. All right, no, let's no. Uh, give some shout outs and uh, and bring it home. Uh, what do we got for some shout outs here, uh, Mick? You go first. Paige von Hess Sutherland. Uh, her dad uh, was Kurt von Hess, and he was a tremendous heel, uh, going back to the golden age of wrestling. Uh, teamed up with a guy uh, called uh, named Carl von Schatz, a uh, great German. Uh, tag team, heel combination. I met Paige for the first time at Cauliflower Alley. What a sweetheart. And uh, if she's not watching the podcast yet, I'm going to make damn sure she does because uh, what a lovely lady. Hats off to you and, and shout out, Paige. My shout out this week goes to a longtime friend, Chuck Lennon, who uh, recently, unfortunately, uh, had uh, some shall we say, medical issues. But Chuck is a long-time, an old-time AWA fan, uh, golfed with him in golf leagues for, for many years. Chuck, get better, get well. That is all the people need to know. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, David. I believe, I hopefully I'm saying this right, Selensky. Uh, David Selensky, this is for you. Uh, appreciate all the comments and the support that you give us on YouTube. And if you've not subscribed on YouTube, you guys, I'm telling you, that's a great way to, to help support this. It helps us keep doing this thing for free because I enjoy, you know, I don't like when people have to pay for certain things and we enjoy that we can allow you guys to, to watch this and listen to it for free. Uh, so yeah, David Selinsky, thank you. And uh, subscribe on, uh, on YouTube with all that. So uh, that being said, guys, uh, let's, uh, let's bring it home. What say you? We're, uh, we're ready to go, and uh, Chupik was kind of freezing up there a little bit uh, towards the uh, the last few yeah, minutes. Yeah, I noticed that, too. You know, it's, uh, you know, nobody's jumping on him the way you jumped on me when I looked like Casper the Ghost, you know, several weeks ago. But 
nonetheless, you know, it's, it is what it is, I guess. Mick, you would give anything to have somebody jump on you. <laughs> 